Welcome to Blitzcast, an NFL Draft podcast brought to you by NFLDraftBlitz.com. And now, your hosts, Alex Kavtov and Ed Hunt. Welcome back to another episode of Blitzcast. This is your host, Brendan Bolin, and as always, I'm joined by my partner, Ed Hunt. How you doing today, my man? Pretty good, my man. Good, good. Hey, I know why you're doing good, and it's for the same reason as me, Ed. The Bengals were defeated, finally. The Rams were able to take them 23-20 in the Super Bowl, and I'm not going to lie, for a little while I was getting real nervous there, Ed. I I really thought the Bengals had a legitimate chance to pull this Super Bowl out. But, to, I mean, did you did you have a good time watching the game, Ed? How, how did your Super Bowl weekend go? Yeah, I mean, it was a great game to watch. I mean, I, I thought this was one of the best Super Bowls in a while. I mean, just back and forth, two teams, and... I mean, either either team, you know, hadn't really been there, you know what I mean, and where whether it's, you know, Matt Stafford, who's you know been a long time lion and has been in a drought, and you know the Rams have had a lot of talented teams but have never been able to cash in, and then you got the Bengals who were the underdog of all underdogs, you know, who've been kind of the doormat of the AFC North until Broadway Joe, or I shouldn't say Broadway Joe, Joe. Joe Joe Shiesty came on the side, came on the scene, and um, you know, obviously being an AFC North fan like yourself, you know, I I was rooting for the Rams, so it was nice to see them win in the end, and um, you know, I'm just really happy for Matt Stafford. I mean, the fact that he, um, you know, I I always thought he was a good quarterback. I always thought he was a top ten quarterback, but he was with the Lions, um, so you know, um, he was he was always kind of a Detroit guy. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, the Lions have been probably one of the the worst franchises in football. And I, I hope, you know, they get a draft pick or something that kind of changes the tide for them. But, um, you know, they had Matt Stafford for a lot of years and they couldn't build around him. Um, and so the Rams acquired him and made something of him. And now he's a Super Bowl champion. Uh, absolutely, Ed. I'm I am so happy for Matt Stafford. Like you said, spent 12 years with Detroit, and the first the first time he he has to prove that he can win the big game, he does it. I mean, I think this is only the second time in his career being in the playoffs, and to to be able to lead his team to the Super Bowl is just it's unbelievable. And you also mentioned that this was one of the best Super Bowls in a long time, and I honestly couldn't agree more. I feel like the last few Super Bowls we've seen like just one part of a team completely dominate another. I mean, last year it was the Buccaneers defensive line and front seven dominating the Chiefs, and that was really the only storyline of that game. I mean, it, it was, that's, a, it, that in, in almost entirety was the reason they won that game. And, you know, the, the Rams and Patriots Super Bowl a few years ago was just, you know, it was 10 to three, like no, or 13 to 10. It was a really low scoring game. Nobody really is looking forward to that for the Super Bowl. This one, like you said, it was back and forth. I was so nervous with this game, Ed. I was so nervous. And, and, you know, I don't agree with this, this story that's being written that the game was handed to the Rams. I mean, I really don't believe that. Ed, when you give up seven sacks, seven sacks in a Super Bowl matchup, I promise you, you will not win that game, especially versus the Rams, a team that's efficient on both sides of the football. It's it's just not going to happen. We said it last week that you know if if this is a team that gives up nine sacks against the Titans, uh, you're you're really going to have a hard time preventing any sacks against the Rams. And and they kind of proved that that was the main turning point of this football game. And I 
I think the thing that held the Bengals back on, honestly, what was holding both teams back early on was a questionable play call to me. I understand that you know, it's a Super Bowl, and you really want to get your run game established early. Like, if, if you can do that, that's your first step to, to winning the game. And the Rams, they were trying to run the ball nonstop, and they were averaging, it was like under two yards a carry for a majority of the first half. It was unreal, and Sean McVay just wouldn't steer away from it. And I feel like the second that they, you know, kind of put the game more in Stafford's hands, uh, I get he had the interceptions, but I, I honestly, I don't think either of those interceptions were bad interceptions. The second you put that game in Stafford's hand offensively is when the game started to take off for you offensively. Now the Bengals, you have Joe Mixon, Ed. Joe Mixon was phenomenal this year. Joe Mixon was honestly a key part of them you know, finding success. He's been awesome on third down for them. I just can't understand why... He's not he's not in there on the last drive of the game. Why he's not in there early on in the game? I think he was like had 50-50 snaps with their second string running back. It it doesn't make sense to me. It's like especially on that last drive of the game, Ed, because you've had to rely on Joe Mixon so many times this year to close some games out for you. Why is he not on the field at the end of the game? And I get you can't do much to stop the Rams' defensive line, and that was a big part of you know losing that football game. But the Bengals couldn't run the ball, and they weren't giving it to Joe Mixon. So I, I still have been wondering why that is. You know, I've heard this story before with different names, and uh, I think what might have happened was that Joe Mixon was hurt. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if... Because you're not going to, before the Super Bowl, go and tell the other team that, hey, our starting our star running back is is hurt. That that makes a lot of sense, Ed. And honestly, now that you mention that, that, that really could be what it is. Now, and I kind of want to uh, take a few steps back to when I said Matt Stafford. His, um, so last week, I actually said, if Matt Stafford throws two interceptions, if he has that game where he throws three touchdowns, two picks... I think that the Bengals have a legit chance to win the game. And that's pretty much exactly what he did, but they still found a way to lose the game. But I think his interceptions were actually super timely. And one of them benefited them in a sense because it was third and long. You didn't have anybody open on the field. You were out of field goal range. You're going to punt the football regardless. So you take your shot one-on-one in the end zone. If, If you catch the ball, sweet, awesome, it's a touchdown. If it's an interception... All right, whatever. It's it's a punt because regardless, like I said, you're gonna punt the ball after that. So, and they bet, got lucky because one of the uh, one of the Bengals players that was injured on the sideline came and celebrated in the end zone, giving them an unsportsmanlike penalty, which was uh, brought them back to the ten. So, in a way, Stafford's interception actually resulted in a drive that started from the ten yard line, and they didn't score on that. So, uh, I I think he was really, really smart about when he took his chances. He knew the situation. He knew that if I throw an interception here, it's not going to cost us, so I'm taking my chances. Now, the other interception was just a dropped pass. I mean, that was 100% on the receiver. Maybe could have been a little bit better ball placement, but in the Super Bowl, as a professional football wide receiver, you have to catch that ball. But I think Stafford was so unbelievably smart when he was taking his chances this game, and we, we... have to give Stafford an insane amount of credit when we're talking about the Super Bowl win, Ed. Yeah, I, I, th- I thought Stafford played a great game. Um, you know, I, th- I thought that he, you know, ran ran with it. But, you know, one of the things is when Joe Burrow goes down, 
Um, <laughs> you know, that, that throws a kink in things. And I, I mean, I know he came back into the game, but, uh, you know, just, that was just lost momentum for the Cincinnati Bengals. And it was at a crucial time towards the end of the game. No, 100%, Ed. I, I honestly was very scared. <laughs> I, I was scared for Joe Burrow because we know his injury history. That's not something I would ever want a, you know anybody to go through, especially after his insanely impressive comeback from last year. It's I mean, that was just very, very scary sight to see. And, um, you know, and as a Browns fan, it really hurt me to see, you know, OBJ get hurt. You know, I... I may have my my love-hate relationship with the man, but I would never in a million years wish for him to get injured because I know how hard he worked for that moment. And, you know, he he was the first one to score a touchdown. And maybe it was a little bittersweet for me because it wasn't, you know, it was supposed to be the Browns, but it is what it is. So I I was really, really, really bummed to see that happen to him because, you know, he, he worked really hard to get back to that point. But, Ed, let's talk about the MVP Cooper Cup. I know a lot of people were upset that it didn't go to Aaron Donald, but I, I I feel like Cooper Cup made his you know he made his case had had about 150 yards, two touchdown catches, and on that last drive of the game he was kind of the savior. On that fourth and one, you had the sweep to the outside, and he was able to make that cut a lot earlier than he was wanting to, and ended up getting like six seven yards out of it, and that was really the the thing that kept the Rams in the game, if he doesn't make that cut right there, the Rams lose the Super Bowl. He caught probably every pass but one or two on that entire drive, and then the last, you know, there was the whole debacle with the penalties at the end of the game where he's getting held, but every single time the ball was thrown in the red zone, it was going to Cooper Cup. They knew that. I knew that. My grandma, who doesn't even watch football, knew that. The fact that he was able to make the play when he was asked every single time in the Super Bowl... 110 percent i i totally think that cooper cup deserves it now uh my only argument for aaron donald is you know you can't measure his his impact with just statistics you know he's eating double and triple teams all game long you know the second you leave him in single in you know one-on-one situations he's bullying the guy for a sack i mean literally the one time they do he gets a sack so it just he does so much for you game plan wise that unfortunately what he does on the field, it can't be measured that well, but, um, or it can't be measured very well statistically. That's why they didn't give it to Aaron Donald. I mean, I feel like the, the MVP is most of the time kind of a statistical thing. If, if Matt Stafford doesn't throw those interceptions, I 110% say Matt Stafford is the Super Bowl MVP. Do you agree with Cooper Cup getting the MVP or do you think it should have gone to Aaron Donald, Ed? Cooper Cup had two touchdowns in that game, but I mean Aaron Donald definitely made the key play when it mattered. You know what I'm saying? And just, I mean, you just you take you take him off the field, and that's a different football game, right? Like, it, you, <laughs> I mean, if you listen to this podcast, you've heard me say that the game is won at the line of scrimmage, and you know when you have Aaron Donald, I mean, you're, <laughs> you know, your 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 guard and your center are occupied trying to contain Aaron Donald. You know what I'm saying, and so uh, I, I, I know, I know that we we live in a kind of a stats world, right? Like, and the MVP is generally given to the people who put up the big stats. But um, for me, for me, Aaron Donald deserves to be the MVP. No, and I I totally see where you're coming from. I mean, just knowing that what they base the MVP off of, I I 110% agreed with giving it to Cooper Cup, but. If Aaron Donald's not playing in that game, 
the Bengals win the football game, Ed. The Bengals 110% win that game, and I'm not saying that they could win, or like I can guarantee they win the game without Cooper Cup, but I feel like it's a lot easier to replace a guy like Cooper Cup than it is Aaron Donald, especially in the Super Bowl. I mean, the he fourth and one, he has to make this play. This is the biggest play of his entire career by a million miles. Sean McVay even said it. He was mic'd up. He said, Aaron's going to make a play. He's going to make a play right here. He's going to close this game out. What does he do? He does exactly that. And nobody was, I mean, you couldn't pay me $10 million to try to stop that man on the last snap of the Super Bowl. No chance, Ed. I got a family. There's no chance I'm trying to stop that guy. And nobody else was. So I'm I'm super happy for Aaron Donald because honestly, if, if any defensive player in the league deserved a Super Bowl win, it was Aaron Donald more than anybody else. Nobody works harder than him. Uh, he's been on some really bad Rams teams and he's, you know, stayed loyal to them. It's, I'm super, super happy for Aaron Donald. And I'll give you, I'll give you four of my MVPs for this game, Ed. I wouldn't, or I wouldn't say MVPs, but my stars of the game. Obviously, Matt Stafford. I mean, he had 12 years of built up frustration just taken out in one game. Uh, Cooper Cup. Aaron Donald, obviously, but one person that I don't think got enough credit for that Super Bowl win was Ashawn Robinson, Ed. Every time Ashawn Robinson was on the field, the Bengals' run game was eliminated. Zero chance, absolutely zero chance that ball was getting past the line of scrimmage. Ashawn Robinson was unbelievable, and it, he's another guy where, you know, the stats don't really just, they don't tell the full story, but Ashawn Robinson was eating every gap. They couldn't run anything inside because Ashawn Robinson was, he was seriously clearing three gaps at a time somehow, and Ashawn's a big boy. I mean, it's, it's, his lateral quickness was insane. That man absolutely was playing for a Super Bowl, so we gotta give, we gotta give our shout out to Mr. Ashawn Robinson. I was super, super impressed with him. He, and you know, one person that I was, I really hyped up for the Super Bowl, though, that didn't have the best game was Jalen Ramsey. Ed, I don't know if you saw, but on the last play of the game, when um when Aaron Donald was, well, not the last play of the game, the Bengals' last offensive snap of the game, when Aaron Donald brought, uh, forced that incompletion, Jalen Ramsey was on the ground, and Jamar Chase had him beat for a touchdown. Now, if Aaron Donald doesn't get the pressure, Joe Burrow makes that throw in his sleep in his sleep and the Bengals win the Super Bowl. So that that once again for to further your um your argument for Aaron Donald MVP, he doesn't make that play. They're getting a 45-yard touchdown for the win. So I was just so surprised to see who stepped up this game and you know, if a guy like Jalen guy like Jalen Ramsey is who you really rely on in games like these and he got he, he got bullied. This was the worst game of his career, actually. This was the most amount of yards he's ever given up in a game. And to see other guys like Ashawn Robinson step up when they really needed to, I mean, that's what you need from a Super Bowl team. And I don't think the Bengals had enough of those guys on either side of the offensive or defensive line to to you know to be that team this year. So that's why the Rams did it is because they had people step up when they had to. I I, I definitely I definitely think that they were a very opportunistic uh, team and. You know, I mean, it's kind of one of those things where it's who has the ball last. I mean, that that can really make a difference in a football game. You talk about you talk about if the Bengals had the ball last, you you know Joe Burrow would have driven down and gotten the last score. Absolutely, Ed. I mean, and I I I was honestly kind of speechless at the end of the game because I was just so happy for Matt Stafford and 
that kind of wants that kind of leads me into my next topic. With the Super Bowl win under his belt, um, you know, the first year he was put in the best situation. A guy that is, you know, one of the most statistically sound quarterbacks of this generation begs the question: Is Matt Stafford a Hall of Famer, Ed? You know what? I'm gonna say yes. I'm gonna say yes. I think he's been one of the top ten best quarterbacks in the league for a number of years. And I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say yes. I think he's. I don't think he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, but I do think he's a Hall of Famer. See, I. This is such a tough and unique situation for me, and. Players like Matt Stafford are why I would really hate to be one of the voters for the Hall of Fame committee because, I mean, if you're going solely off of his resume, if you have a resume of all the quarterbacks that are in the suit or in the Hall of Fame or should get in the Hall of Fame, I'm going to say if you're going solely based off of that, I say no. Because Richard Sherman made a really good point. He said, you know, there's no all-decade team, no first-team All-Pro, no MVP, one Pro Bowl, and so he said the, the bar for the Hall of Fame is, is very low. And I don't disagree that the bar for the Hall of Fame is very low. But I just, the argument for Stafford, I f- f- like against those, it's nearly impossible for him to accomplish any of those because of the situation he was in. I mean, I can promise you, Ed, there's not going to be another quarterback that a team keeps around for 12 years when they consistently aren't making the playoffs. I it it's pretty obvious that everybody realizes, hey, the quarterback's not the issue. We just cannot figure it out elsewhere. And there's not, I promise you, there's never been another quarterback to be to stay on a losing team that long. It just doesn't happen. So Matt Stafford has proven that, you know, I am the guy. You know, nobody's ever going to give the MVPs. I mean, even when Stafford has his insane, like, you know, 35 uh touchdown season 10 interceptions and you know 4,000 plus yards I mean when he should be an MVP candidate he's not going to get that recognition because the Lions just have zero success elsewhere so I think if if for a guy like Stafford you have to look a little deeper than his actual resume I can understand if he doesn't make it into the Hall of Fame Ed and I can understand if he makes it into the Hall of Fame honestly I I think I would have a harder time arguing him in to the Hall of Fame than I would have arguing that he isn't a Hall of Famer, but like I said, it's just, you gotta look at Stafford's career a little bit deeper, and so, you know, kind of thinking about a guy that, you know, only has one other Super Bowl win, is, so, if we don't say Matt Stafford's a Hall of Famer, then I think we say, okay, then a guy like Russell Wilson isn't a Hall of Famer, because very similar statistical careers, Wilson was able to win a Super Bowl when the Legion of Boom was at its peak, and he hasn't really been able to get back since. I mean, the Seahawks have been a pretty badly built football team for a while now, and Russell Wilson's done a really good job keeping them relevant. But at the same time, you know, he only has one Super Bowl win, but he definitely, you know, doesn't have an MVP. He has a little bit more accomplishments than Stafford, but he's also been in the league less and uh, less years. So. It's just those two types of guys, I feel like you can't go based off their resume. I mean, if you want to put if you don't want to put them in the Hall of Fame, you have to put them in the in the Hall of really, really, really great. You know what I mean? So I I just do I think he gets in the Hall of Fame? Yeah, I do, but I don't think it's gonna be a first ballot like you said, Ed. 
I, I I'm not saying he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. I'm saying he he doesn't get in in in, in the first ballot, but I do think he gets in the Hall of Fame. Just, um, here's the thing. He's carried that Lions team for a lot of years. He's been the face of that franchise for a lot of years. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, if you're if you're uh, if you're a Detroit sports writer, right? Like who who on that football team, other than Barry Sanders and Calvin Johnson, do you really put it out there for? You know what I'm saying? Like who do you who do you really fight for to you know? be that be that guy right like who do you who do you try to influence other sports writers to other than other than for matt stafford right like who are you trying to get into the hall of fame and i think i think if you're a detroit sports writer you're gonna push for matt stafford because he's done it for so long i agree and you know they have the first-hand experience of you know understanding that hey this was the only guy that had us that gave us any chance of any any sort of being relevant they they saw it for twelve years, Ed, and I've watched I've watched a handful of Matt Stafford games, and he, you know, there's other things on his resume that I think you could look at when you're trying to decide if he should be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, has has one of the highest amount of fourth quarter comes comebacks out of any player in the last decade, and you know he may have been on a lot of uh, bad Lions teams, but they also have. You know, it's a team that's been around 500 a lot of times. I mean, they had a lot of years where they won four games and they had the year they won zero games. But, I mean, there's a team that always had like seven wins or something like that. So they were barely just under 500. So it's not like he's going out and losing every single game. Anytime that man has been in the oper- or in the situation to go and win the game, he did it a majority of the time. It was other parts of the football team that let him down. So, yeah, I, I definitely, personally, I hope he gets in. Um, just because, like I said, if you look deeper into what he's done, I think he absolutely deserves it. And I think he's a much better quarterback than a lot of quarterbacks that are currently in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So I'm, I'm going to say er, er, Matt Stafford is a Hall of Famer. But um, like you and I, or like you mentioned at first, definitely not first ballot. Ed, let's, let's talk about his, um, his for sure first ballot. I 100% this guy is going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Mr. Aaron Donald. I mean, he. There was a little bit of a tease before the game, saying that, "Hey, um, if I win this thing, I might call it a career." And uh, it, it seems that you know, at the Super Bowl parade, he kind of pushed pushed any you know pushed all that to the side and said, "No, we have a chance to go run it back and get another one." So I think it looks like he's going to be staying, Ed. But if he were to retire, if say he did retire this year, I. I mean. I think he has a legitimate argument to be the best defensive player of all time. I really do believe that. And uh, I think he knows that how dominant he is still, and he just proved that he, he was one of the sole reasons they won that football game. I think he's got two to four years left of elite, top-tier level football left in him. I wouldn't be surprised to see him get a, you know a really big two-year extension. Because Aaron Donald's just going to be a guy that finds a way to dominate his game until the end of his career. I mean, you know, a guy like Casey Hayward has played football for a long time, and he's, you know, late in his career, he's still been dominant. And I think Aaron Donald is going to be that type of guy to never really fall off. But at the same time, I, I you know, it's it's going to reach that point eventually. But I don't think it's going to be for another two to four years, like I said. But, Ed, if Aaron Donald were to retire today, where would you put him on all-time defensive players? 
I think I'd put him ahead of Bruce Matthews. I'd, I'd say I'd say he's number one. I, I I can't I can't really think of another defensive player who could compete with him in this era. I mean, just size, strengths, triple teams, dominance, defensive player of the years. I I I don't I don't know if there's another one other than Aaron Donald. I feel like the only other legitimate argument you can put against him is one of the other so there's three players all time to win defensive player of the year three times. That's Aaron Donald, JJ Watt, and I think Lawrence Taylor is the only other person I could see the conversation being against, but the amount of, you know, dominance Aaron Donald's been able to have playing from the interior line, I think is the part that makes him the best of all time because, you know, Lawrence Taylor was the most destructive defensive player at the time in his own right, but I don't think Lawrence Taylor has the amount of success he does on the inside. And, you know, I can't I can't say for sure, but nobody else in the history of football has been half as dominant from the interior. And there's been a lot of very, very, very good defensive tackles in NFL history. But Aaron Donald as a run stuffer, a pass defense, or, um, a, you know, each triple teams, each double teams. He's one of the highest double teamed and triple team players in the in the league, but at the same time has one of the highest win rates in the league. Three time defensive player of the year, and it. I mean, the dude had twenty sacks as a defensive tackle. Ed, it's disgusting. It, it shouldn't be fair, and I, I honestly think that it would. If you put Aaron Donald back in Lawrence Taylor's days, I think he's still by far the runaway defensive player of the year. His stats would be twice as impressive. But I think Aaron Donald is absolutely first ballot Hall of Fame. And with this Super Bowl win, with how dominant he was in the biggest asking point of his career, I think kind of solidified himself as first ballot and best defensive player of all time. Yeah, it's hard to disagree with you. I mean, just the amount of power he comes with. The fact that he's kind of come from the interior... Um, yeah, I mean, the fact that he has that many sacks from the interior, I mean, it's, your guy, your, your, your sacks are really supposed to come from the edge, you know what I'm saying? And for the Rams, it comes from the interior and that, that in itself is impressive. It just, it's honestly mind boggling. It really doesn't make sense to see somebody that dominant and, you would have thought, you know, this late in his career, teams may have been able to figure something out, but I don't think it's going to ever happen. The The day Aaron Donald isn't dominant is the is the day Aaron Donald retires from football. Um, it's it's just not going to happen in his career, Ed. Let's, uh, let's transition a little bit over into, so this last week, they gave out the awards for, you know, Rookie of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year. I mean, it was NFL Honors Week, and we saw all the awards. And one that I kind of saw it coming, but at the same time, I don't necessarily agree with to the fullest extent extent, is Aaron Rodgers getting the MVP. Um, I know a lot of people said Tom Brady should have gotten the MVP, and I might be one of those people. Ed, how do you feel about Aaron Rodgers winning the MVP this year? I, th- I think Brady should have won but I, I don't I, I don't think it's like a big travesty that that I don't think it was so clear-cut I think Brady had more passing yards than Aaron Rodgers and I think you know you take you take him off um, I think Aaron Rodgers has a better team around him you know what I mean with Devonte Adams and Aaron Jones and so forth Um 
So I mean, it's not it's not like a huge huge surprise that he didn't win, but uh, or I mean that he won. But I'm not I'm not. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think if I voted, I would have voted for Brady this year. Yeah, absolutely, Ed. And you know, I I personally think it since. Aaron Rodgers, you know, solidifying the pa- solidifying the Packers into that number one seed in the NFC. I think that was also a really big aspect of him winning that over Brady. If Brady gets the number one seed, gets the first round by, I really think that it's a lot closer of a race, and Brady might have ended up pulling that out. And you know, I like you said, Ed. I feel like yeah, defensively, Tom Brady may have a, a you know. A much better team, but offensively, you know, people always talk about how Rod, like the the worst storyline ever written was Rodgers didn't have doesn't have help, which just isn't true. Like you said, Devonte Adams, Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon, Robert Tanyan, and you know Marcus Valdez Scantling, like he's he's no slouch. You know, they he has help, and um, with the amount of you know people that went down for the Buccaneers, you lost Chris Godwin, everything that happened with AB, Leonard Fournette got hurt. He had injuries on the line. I mean, Tom Brady had to overcome a decent amount of adversity this year. Every time Tom Brady was in the situation to have to go win the game, he did it. I mean, the the one game that, you know, the the Rams and Buccaneers game, they should have lost that game, you know, early, early on. But they, he somehow still made it a game and pulled himself out of a 20-point deficit. And, you know, the defense was the reason he lost that game. Like, he was able to come back in the Jets game. I mean, he had to make the play to win, and he made the play. And statistically, Ed, he beats him nearly in every category. He had more passing touchdowns. He had um, more passing yards. He had more passing yards by 1,200 he had 1,200 more passing yards. He had 60 passing or 60 more completions for first down. I mean, everywhere across the board. I mean, yes, he threw a couple more interceptions, but he also made up for it by throwing by throwing four, five more touchdown passes. So Tom Brady, it's it's just hard to see Tom Brady not, and is mind-boggling to see Tom Brady not get the MVP when he's coming off of the the most efficient statistical season of his entire career. It's pretty crazy to me, but like I said, had Brady had locked up that first seed in the NFC, I think he would have gotten the MVP award. Yeah, I, I think that loss made a big difference. But, you know, Aaron Rodgers had pretty much the same exit from the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Aaron Rodgers... The thing is, I feel like Tom Brady still played a much, much, much better game in the playoff loss than Aaron Rodgers did. Aaron Rodgers, I feel like every time he's in the playoffs, especially against the 49ers for some reason, he's kind of playing with his tail tucked between his legs because he's, you know, he's such a conservative quarterback but also takes very educated shots. But he very much values not throwing interceptions. And in in the playoffs, sometimes you got to take a chance. And I've, I've heard a few people say that I think what eats Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs and why he's so unsuccessful is because he's just too scared to take those chances and you know in the Super Bowl we saw Matt Stafford take those chances and he came out victorious so uh, I I think that that absolutely is something that's been holding Rodgers back in the playoffs but personally I thought Brady played 100 times better in the playoff games yeah I mean I would agree with you I think we give it to Brady I mean, if, if if you didn't give it to if you didn't give it to Brady or Rodgers, who would you give it to? No, honestly, man, it's it, it, I think it's about time that somebody other than a quarterback gets it. 
would it be crazy to, to say Cooper Cup deserved it? Maybe. Um, huh. I mean, I don't know. The, I, I just don't to know. to be able to even, I mean, the triple crown lead receptions, touchdowns, and yards is is unbelievably impressive, unbelievably impressive. And then offensive player of the year and Super Bowl MVP. I mean, there has been two other players ever to do those two things. I mean, to, to do that, I mean, Jerry Rice is one of those players. And to do that in one season, one season is unbelievable. Unbelievable. Every week, every week, I feel like it, it was kind of like, you know, is Cooper Cup legit or not? And he kind of proved week in, week out, okay, he is legit. This isn't a fluke. I mean, every single game, the guy was finding a way to get over 100 yards. And earlier, a few weeks ago, I was saying, you know, his, his game is a little bit easier because they never really make him face press coverage on the outside, and he's always taking snaps from the slot. In the Super Bowl, that wasn't the case. He was winning on the outside. He was beating press consistently. So I don't think I can ever use that as a knock against him again. So I think, I do think Cooper Cup was the best football player. You know, I, I think I would give him the MVP, Ed. If it wasn't, if it didn't go to a quarterback this year, I'm giving it to Cooper Cup. Honestly, though, what about Joe Burrow? I I don't think Joe Burrow, you know, I'm not discrediting anything Joe Burrow did, not in the slightest. Joe Burrow was absolutely phenomenal this year. And, you know, without him, there's zero chance they're in the Super Bowl. And there's honestly zero chance they're in the playoffs. It, it's really, really hard for me to, to say a guy like, because statistically, he, he wasn't really close to, I mean, he had 34 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. Impact-wise, he didn't, you know, there was a lot of games where he was kind of figured out. And there was, I mean, with the exception of late in the playoffs, Brady and Rodgers didn't have those games. And, and Joe Burrow, he put his team in the situation to win. He wasn't the guy that necessarily took over and was the sole reason that they were winning football games. And I think that's a big difference. Um, I, I definitely think Burrow deserves, if, you know, I could see a case for him. I could see a case for him. But compared to, you know, Cooper Cup, I, I don't think he deserves it over Cooper Cup. See, I, I disagree. I think the season he had, his leadership, what he did for the Bengals, what he did in situational football, I think that I think that all comes to my... He, he's my number three. I mean, I, I respect it. I absolutely do. But I also think I'm a little biased because I'm so ready to see a player um, other than a quarterback win the, win the award. But... I mean, if, if, if we're going based on who the best football player was, it's it's hard to look past what Cooper Cup did, at least statistically, you know? And not even that. he When the Rams need, or needed him to make a play to win a game, he made that play. I mean, he was the one that made the catch against the, against the Buccaneers to steal the deal for him. Every single time they needed an offensive player to come up and catch the football in the most crucial point, Cooper Cup was able to do it. So I absolutely understand where you're coming from. I totally respect that, but... I think I'm gonna. I think I would go out on a limb this year and give it to a wide receiver. Speaking of wide receivers, though, Ed, probably one of the hottest free agent uh, wide receivers on the market within the last couple years, Mr. Devonte Adams. This is this. He probably is the number one free agent. You know this this off season. I think he's gonna have a very very handsome price tag that I don't know 
how many teams are going to want to pick that up, but I have a few teams that I really like for him in mind. I'll, I'll give you my top three places, Ed. I got the Raiders, the Dolphins, and the Colts. Now, obviously, Denver would be my number one option if, if you know, if uh, Aaron Rodgers goes there, but at the same time, I just, I don't think that whole situation is going to end up panning out to be what people want, so I don't think Denver would get him, but Raiders, Dolphins, and Colts make a whole lot of sense to me, Ed. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll start off with the Raiders. Derek Carr and Devontae Adams, they were they were teammates back at uh, back in college, so um, that in itself, there's al- already that, that great relationship, not even a football relationship, but a personal relationship, and then it's been a while since Derek Carr has had like a dominant elite wide receiver. Ever since Amari Cooper left, they haven't really had that guy back. So I would love to see them team back up, especially after you get an offensive line like Mc, or an offensive mind like McDaniel's. I, I I could only fathom where that offense would take off. I mean, I was saying that they would be a top offense before Devontae Adams went there. I can't imagine how unbelievable that would be after he arrives. Now, the second team I mentioned was the Dolphins. Dolphins honestly makes a whole lot of sense to me. You're trying to build around Tua. You know, Tua is your guy. Jalen Waddell is, you know, proven to be a serious, serious threat. I mean, just broke the record for rookie receptions. Uh, Jalen Waddell is legit. Devontae, you you know, you have Devontae Parker, but I, I think his contract's up and he always is hurt. I mean, always, always, always is hurt. Um, I know Mike McDaniel has talked about how he really wants to innovate this offense and build around Tua. Okay, you really mean that? Go out and try to get the best wide receiver in football, you know? I, I would love to see a Tua-Devante uh, Tua connection. I think he would look real good in a Dolphins uniform. Him and Jalen Waddle instantly would turn into one of the best receiving cores in football. I mean, you got Gusecki at tight end, too. That turns into a pretty dangerous offense, honestly. And the Colts. The Colts are a team, absolutely can afford him. The cap is not an issue whatsoever. T.Y. Hilton is on the tail end of his career, and, you know, he, he's not even necessarily a number two. He's maybe a number two receiver for you now, but he's no number one. Now, Michael Pittman has proved that he's a beast, but he's more of a number two guy as well. If the Colts can acquire Devontae Adams and figure their quarterback situation out, they're instantly one of the best teams in football, and I think they can be... <clears throat> depending on who they, you know, get for the quarterback situation, they could be a legitimate contender and a, a serious sleeper team next year if they land this move. I, I think all those options are, are good. Um, what intrigues me is Mike McDonald or Mike McDon- Michael McDonald with uh, the new head coach. With him, with you give him a weapon like Devontae Adams, I would be really interested to see what he would do with him. Especially with how innovative he is. I mean, like I was saying last week, he's the reason that um, Debo Samuel got utilized the way he did. So um, I love to see a young, innovative mind, um, you know, see see what he could do with a guy like Devontae Adams because Devontae Adams can do it all as a wide receiver. So to, to see him paired with, you know, Jalen Waddell, who is electric in his own right, Gasecki, who has proven to be one of, you know, a top 10 tight end in this league, and Tua, who kind of had a, a coming out party this this back half of the season, so I I'm really if I'm hoping honestly the Dolphins are a team I really want to see him go to just because it just makes a lot of sense to me and seeing him paired up with Waddle would be absolutely phenomenal. I mean that's 
get your popcorn ready if that happens, Ed. Well, alrighty, my friend. I appreciate you as always, Ed, and and I appreciate everybody tuning into this episode of Blitzcast. It's always a pleasure, and I'm so happy we spent this show talking about the Rams winning the Super Bowl and not the Bengals. I promise I would not have any excitement in my voice if that was the case. I'd probably be holding back a little bit of tears, but we got lucky. But uh, we'll be back at it next week, and I appreciate everybody for tuning in, and take care, folks.